Hey, and welcome to the 12 Stone Church Podcast. Thank you so much for taking time to be a part of today's message. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, and deepens your faith in Jesus. Enjoy the message. All right, welcome, 12 Stone Home, 12 Stone Live, online, wherever you are. Let me hear right here. You fired up to get into this series? Absolutely. Listen, God has amazing stuff. He's going to transform your relationships, your family, your marriage. And let's lead right off with a question. Check this out. I want you to think about this. Do you fight to be heard and then walk away, pause right there. Is it in you that you just want to be heard? That's it. Man, you got to hear my perspective. You got to understand me. Is that it? And then you just walk away. As soon as you vent, you're freed up. So here's the question. Do you fight to be heard and then walk away? Or do you fight to be sure you hear? Do you make sure that you bother to listen in on their perspective? Do you care about them? Put it in the marriage context. We'll ask the same question. Do you fight to be heard and then walk away? Or do you fight to hear your spouse, heart and soul? See, we're going to launch into a month of building marriage. And it's for everyone. The practice is that we're going to unpack our for all relationships. If you're single... This is going to help you immensely. If you're dating, then all the more. If you're married, divorced, remarried, wherever you are in the scheme. Look, this applies to relationships at home, at work, at school, in church, in the community, in the country. And our bent is to be heard. I just got to be heard. Got to be understood. And when you lean more into being heard than bothering to hear. Hear me. (laughs) That doesn't resolve conflict. It increases conflict. Oh, we're going to unpack all sorts of things. And we're going to tap into God's word. And we're going to tap into God's word as we've translated the practices into our book. Hey, we are fired up about this. The second happy is finally coming out and bringing it to 12 Stone and wherever else because the practices we're going to learn here are going to translate into God transforming marriage and family. And we call it the second happy. Why? Glad you asked. Here's why. Because when you get married, everybody's happy. Everybody's what? Of course you are, man. I've officiated hundreds of weddings, and everybody's happy. And those of us who are married, we just smile. You go. (laughs) Say yes. (laughs) Say I do. (laughs) We're always happy when you're married. And And then with time, you descend into unhappy. You lose your happy. It's a lot like buying a house. You fall in love with your house. Oh, this is our dream home. This is going to be fantastic. But you live in a house long enough, and what happens? <laughs> well, eventually you find its flaws. After a while, you're, you're annoyed by it. After a while, like, you know, let's just sell this and get another one. But there is this kind of new thing that's going on called renovate your house. It's called what? Renovate your house. 
When you renovate your house, Marsha and I did this. We we're several years into our home. We see its flaws, which are greater than our than than the things we loved about the home. And after a while, we're like, yeah, we're tired of this. And then we did renovations. And I'm telling you, here's what we discovered: when you renovate, when you invest back in, we fell in love with the same house. Fell back in love. We found a second happy. Listen, everybody's happy when they get married. Everybody descends into unhappy. And if you're the 1% that doesn't, then this won't help you. But for all the rest of us normal people, if you will renovate your marriage, you'll find the second happy. And it's better than the first. It's fulfilling. It's powerful. It's profound. So we're going to talk about renovating marriages. How do you do that? Well, there's seven practices in the book. There are the chapters. The seven practices, one, chapter one, break the quit cycle. The first practice is break the quit cycle. Then hands up prayer. Third practice, pick a fair fight. That's where we're going to camp today. Then take a knee or two. Then don't settle for the hollow Easter bunny. Then evict the elephant. Then choose your bucket wisely. And I get to say stuff fast because you got the book available to you. I don't need to solve it all. Already wrote it. Marsha and I wrote it so you can have it in front of you and you could get help. And listen, I need, you need to know this off the top. God renovates marriages. Come on now. That's an amen. God renovates marriages. It's a beautiful thing about God. Maybe COVID has really been difficult on your marriage. You know, maybe you are in misery. Maybe your marriage is just stuck. Maybe you had a better marriage before COVID. Maybe you've never gotten past the unhappy to the second happy. Maybe you feel hopeless. But don't sell God short. He renovates marriages. In fact, I just want to, before we go on, I want to pause. Bow your heads with me. Wherever you are, 12 Stone Home, online, 12 Stone Live, Heavenly Father. Right now, I want to pray over all of us, those of us who are single in dating seasons, uh, maybe, maybe married, divorced, remarried, whatever, but for specifically, Lord, then I want to bring it to marriage. Wherever there's hopelessness, would you infuse hope today? Would you remind them you renovate? Wherever we're stuck, would you give strength? Wherever we want to quit, would you inspire? Wherever we've lost sight and we've made it about us and we can't even see, oh God, would you infuse hope? Teach us today in Christ's name. Amen. So today, fair fights. And listen, if you don't learn how to fight fair, then, well, then you are going to be stuck in misery and unhappy. Because every relationship has conflict, right? And, and so we're going to just take a moment. I'm going to come over here. Marsha uh, is, is going to hang out with me. We're going to have this conversation, Jason and Amber. But Jason, come on. What did we do? It's Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day, my wife. Thank you you see this? The little flowers, <laughs> the chocolate. Come on, man. We nailed it. The flowers we nailed are for it. you. Thank All you All credit, much. please. Yes, thank you. And guys, uh, if, if you've not taken care of this yet, it's, it's Valentine's Day. And so you might want to get on that. And listen, if they haven't gotten it yet, it's because they're planning a surprise for tonight. And if it's you're watching this Tuesday or Wednesday, they want it half off. And so they life, is, life yeah. is good. They're so smart that way. Figure it out later. Correct. 
let's, let's talk. We, every, every relationship has conflict in it. And uh, the four of us were kicking this around, coming into the series. And you guys shared a story. I thought, well, we, we all have our stories. Let's hear one of yours. This is a safe place, correct? No. Okay, it's not a safe place. Anyway. <laughs> We've never fought. Life is great. Thank you very much. Uh, so we've been married 15 years as of January, and it's, it's, life is good now, but our first year of marriage, life was very difficult. We were, uh, we were long distance in our dating, and then she moved up to Indiana, where I lived when we first got married, and we had experienced each other in a really great way, and that she was always peaceful and like she was my calm, like she was my zen, if you will. And I've never, that's all I experienced. And for her, she experienced this caring, humble, sacrificial man. Thank wow. you for whoever clapped in the corner. <laughs> that was a sarcastic clap. No, I, I, I received that clap as a thank you. Uh, and then we got married and then we moved in together and she moved to the Midwest. And if you've never lived in the Midwest, there are things called tornado sirens. Just curious, anyone ever heard a tornado siren here across the campuses yes. at home? All right, you've heard those before. My wife, Amber, had never heard one before. They're not common in Georgia. <laughs> they aren't in Georgia. But in Indiana, a tornado siren went off, and this began our very first, first. fight. Yes. The we're sitting there, tornado sirens going off. I am freaked out. I don't have the maturity to say, Jason, I am scared. I just start freaking. And he goes to the front door and opens the door and just stands on the porch just it's to man against wilderness. excitement. And I, the sirens are going off and I'm like, we've got to get to the basement. It starts this back and forth. So she goes to the basement as probably any wise person would. I knew as a, I was, I lived in the Midwest for six years, like Amber, this is not dangerous. And so I stood upstairs and she goes to the basement and we have a fight from the downstairs to the upstairs, and there's nothing she could say that was going to get my butt to the basement, because no I knew I was right, and there's nothing that I could say that would get her upstairs, because she knew I was dumb, yeah. and we screamed at each other yes. up and down the <laughs> stairs, and here's the good news. The good news was her sister was visiting, and the words her sister says were, I have never heard my sister scream like that yes. ever before. This was not like the privacy of our own home. We had family there. It was... We were, <laughs> And that is how we started our marriage, Kevin. Yeah, real and I said, I have married the most stubborn man. He <laughs> will not get down here. I don't understand. It was beautiful. And it's still beautiful. sort of true. Yeah. Yeah. He's still, he's still stubborn. 50-50. So we, we had one of our fights that, that, that we, um, well, it didn't go well. Uh, we got married and you got a job at the church. So this is up in Michigan, and I'm assistant pastor, newly out of college. We're newly married. You're still going to school, finishing up your teaching degree. And Wayne, the senior pastor, hires you to be the, the, the church secretary for us in the little office there of that, of that yeah, church. I was lucky. <laughs> yeah, and it was a part-time job, so it wasn't too stressful, except one day Kevin came into my office and he said, um, Marsha, here. He hands me this big, long list of names. He goes, would you just call each one of these people? We're doing this event, and we want to see who's going to come and who's not. And he already knows that I hate making phone calls. I'm a kind of a quieter person, and that, to me, someone on the other end that you can't see, plus you don't know, is like super, super scary to me. Okay, but you're already explaining your side of the argument. It was your job. I want this, them on like, my don't side. Identify, don't identify. Well, I see people like, oh, yeah, why did he ever ask you? What do you mean? It's a job. I mean, that's why you were there. You were there working for me. 
And I say, no. He said, yes, you need to do this. I'm your boss, and you work for me, so you need to make these calls. Attaboy. Why didn't that that work? Attaboy. Why didn't that work? And I said, no, Pastor Wayne is my boss. girl. There you go. Why are you up here? I love this. Why are you up here? I said, you're my husband. You know I don't like to make phone calls. I am not making these phone calls. And the thing is, like, we're in these little tiny offices, so it's not like we're yelling. We're just more like, you, you know I can't do this. I'm not going to do it. And he, we're like whisper fighting back and forth. But I had to clarify, you are my wife, but you're not right now. Right now, you work for me. I tell you what to do. You say yes, sir. How difficult is that? Whoa. Why is that difficult? And we can leave it at work and not bring it home. You're losing the room, Kevin. So I left it. (laughs) Hey, I not only lost the room, I lost my wife in that. I'm like, but know this. I left the names on the desk for her to call. And how many did you call? Well, as far as I know, those names just disappeared. I don't know what happened to them. I made all the phone calls, and our marriage just worked. By the way, we've never worked together since. We'll talk about that later. All right, listen. Every relationship has conflict. You have your stories. In fact, the crew did a little bit of interviewing with some 12 stoners. This is Billy and Kay from 12 Stone uh, sharing their story. Be entertained. And he was leaned back with his feet on the desk. So, you know, he was looking pretty pompous when he he said that. Well, we share um, a business together. Uh, I was on the telephone with an attorney that was just out of law school. But he would call and ask questions um, that were just like common sense, I guess. And, of course, then, you know, I'm on the defensive, right? I said, you know... um, I, if you if you have a problem with it, you need to take it up with the senior attorney. <laughs> you know, but I, so, I didn't say it that night. Nice. I've become like uh, mm, aggravated about the conversation. He looks at me and he says, "What have you just done? <laughs> you cannot talk to our clients that way." You know. And then I made the mistake of saying anything else. Yes, and I, so I looked at him. I go, "Yes, you're sitting there in your your big fat chair." <laughs> Telling me what to do. And he was leaned back with his feet on the desk. So, you know, he was looking pretty pompous when he he said that. That's all she could say when she's like, ultimately, probably the maddest she had ever been at me was you in your big fat chair. Oh, all right, let's own it. How many of you have had big fat chair fights of some kind in your marriage? Come on, just hands up across all the caps. Of course you have. And, and you've also had it in your relationships. You have it as single people. You have it at work. You have it. This is familiar to all of us. And, and here's the reality. What is often broke is that you want to be heard. All I was trying to do is help my wife. Just understand that she now works for me. That's all. And she's so stubborn. And so because she couldn't hear me, I had to make sure she heard. Hey, listen. When all you want is to be heard, and you dig in, and you end up with stories like Jason and Amber are telling, Marsha and I, Billy and Kay, your own. It's not going to resolve conflict. It's going to increase it. 
So here's what we do. At the heart of fair fight rules, it's a simply profound thought. Seek to hear as you would to be heard. Seek to hear. Seek to what? Hear. Seek to hear. Let me hear that with a little more fire and passion. Seek to what? Hear. Desire to be here. Seek to hear as you would to be heard. As you would to what? Be heard. Oh, we all want to be heard. Yes, but the, the goal is to seek to hear. This is so easy to say, so difficult to do. See, in the dating relationship, why does it work? Because when you're dating, you tend to give more than you take. In a dating relationship, you're out to discover each other. So you're trying to understand that person. And therefore, you see the good qualities. And the things that you like overshadow the things that you don't like. That's why love is blind. And then you get married. And when you get married, you have a different exchange. You tend to take more than you give in marriage. And progressively, you begin to see more flaws. And the things that you don't like tend to overshadow the things that you do like. you got to know what's going on. That's why we say after the honeymoon. That's why we're talking about seven practices that make your marriage better than your honeymoon. You're going to have to get to the second happy. You're going to have to get through things. The goal of marriage early on is not going to win and work if it's I just have to be heard. You're going to have to commit to hear. Not just be heard. But here, and God gives us instruction on this. So I'm going to walk you through several scriptures. I want you to absorb the weight of these scriptures. God gives us help. My dear brothers and sisters in James 1, take note of this. So you got to take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Quick to listen, slow to speak. Slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Now, right off the top, James is saying, if your faith is going to work out into your life, if you really want the favor of God and the power of God, then get the wisdom of God. And the very first thing he's talking about is this is how you respond to the word of God. When the word of God is taught, when you, when you get the scriptures brought into your mind, be quick to listen. Don't, don't, don't just let, as God speaks, as you read the Bible, don't just be quick to say something about it. Don't just react to it. Don't become angry when it exposes you. Be slow to speak. Quick to listen. Huh, what's he teaching me? No wonder so many commentaries and authors take that scripture and apply it to all relationships, and particularly marriage. If you want your marriage to work, be quick to listen and slow to speak. And then slow to anger. Don't be so quick to react, to call them stubborn, to demand, to correct, to make sure you're heard. There's more. Look at Philippians. Do nothing out of a selfish ambition or vain conceit, but rather in humility, in humility, in humility, value others above yourselves. This is for all relationships. That's applied to the church. That's applied to single life, dating life, married life, work life. This is humble valuing of others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. This is defining. 
He goes on to even describe how it should operate in marriage. Husband love, husbands, love your wives. Lives respect, wives respect, love your husbands. And if you're not sure what that love looks like, Scripture gives us a definition of it in 1 Corinthians. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. This is, when you say, I love you to your spouse, this is what you're saying. I'm not going to insist on my own way. I'm not going to just require that I be heard. I'm going to buy bother to hear. We're going to learn how to fight fair. We'll have conflict, but in that conflict, I'm going to love and respect, and that requires listening, active, engaged, heartfelt, caring, listening, the desire to understand. In fact, even Proverbs helps summarize, fools find no pleasure in understanding, but delight in airing their own opinions. Is that what happens when you have conflict? Is that what your relationships look like? Is that your marriage? To answer before listening, that is folly and shame. So at some point, you got to acknowledge that real love, hear me, real love changes the way you fight. Real love learns to fight fair. And what is broke is that we prefer to be heard. We are quick to speak. And we are slow to listen. And at the heart of a fair fight, is the art of listening, understanding, so that there's meaningful communication. Let me say it this way. Right now, we live in a culture where everyone wants to be heard. Well, you know this is true. Everyone wants to be what? Heard. Stay with me. And as soon as you're heard, you feel better. Right? I mean, you're finally heard. You're finally, oh, they hear me. And then, you feel so much better. Listen, in marriage, when you're heard and you haven't bothered to hear, you feel better, but your marriage is worse. There is an art to this. And Marsha and I got tired of a miserable, unhappy marriage. One of the practices to getting to the other side of fights and conflict, which we could not stop the conflict. So we had to figure out how to resolve it. So are we just going to fight and descend into misery? Or are we going to do fair fights and rise into something called a second happy? And so we, write, we wrote fair fight rules. Now in the book, chapter three, it describes these fair fight rules. And we keep, became convinced that if we don't learn how to do this. We'll never, never be happy. We'll never develop into the relationship we long for. And we need pre-fight rules before we can even get to the rules. Like every MMA, like every boxing has pre-fight rules. Now these aren't, there's more than this in the book, but, but I'll just, we'll just run through five by example. Call for a fair fight. In other words, you don't just start fighting. You got to call for a fair fight. We have to ask, okay, I want to have a fair fight. And then when you call for it, you have to define the issue. Listen, listen, you don't start fighting right there. You don't say, hey, I want a fair fight and vomit all over the person. Oh, I feel so much better. You define the issue and then you schedule the fight. We literally get the calendar out. We're like, okay, when are we going to have this fair? When the kids aren't around, when I'm emotionally capable, let's go. When are we going to have this? So we schedule the fight. Then you got to show up and lovingly engage. This is not disengaged. This is not bad attitude. This is rightly attitude for the sake of our marriage. Win, win, show up and lovingly engage and keep the fight clean. Now, there's more details on that. You can get them in the book. 
but I want you to see the progression of a fight. There's four, eight, and 12 rounds for us, but there's a movement in this. Stage one, stage two, stage three. Stage one is communication. It's its own art, which makes it possible to go into stage two, which is compromise. And if you can't come to compromise, in order to get there, you have to go through stage three, which is counseling. Let's walk through each one, just informationally right now. I, I want you to just hear it. You don't have to write all this down. You can get it in the book, and, and we'll lay it out for you. Stage one has four rounds, and the rounds matter, and the progression is important. Round one of the fight. Like any fight, you got to have your round one. So round one, Marcia shares her perspective, and Kevin listens to understand. We've discovered that I talk too much. Can everybody say amen? Okay, I know that. I didn't back then. I thought I was being so helpful. She didn't talk enough, and God put opposites together so she could hear, and I could speak. I discovered that wasn't his plan, but it looked like it early on. So since she is slow to speak, less verbal, she can say what she thinks, and 25% of the time I can. Okay, you know what? I'm too dominant. I'm too forceful. I'm too full of myself. No amens required there. She starts. So let me hear your perspective. And what I'm doing is listening to understand. By the way, I'm listening, not reloading. <laughs> I'm not getting ready to say what I want to say. I'm listening. And then round two, Kevin makes sure he has heard Marcia. Words in heart, Marcia confirms Kevin understands. Until she confirms that I heard her, I have not heard her. Which means we may have to go back to round one and back to round two until she feels heard. When she feels heard, I now understand her empathy and clarity. And then it's my turn, round three. So now round three, Kevin shares his perspective. Marcia listens to understand. So whatever the argument we say, oh, we want to have an argument now over, over our sex life, over our budgeting, over the way we parent, over the way the house is kept, over the way we negotiate our relationship with the friends, over our calendar, over, over your mom. I mean, just go through the list. All the arguments. Okay, fine. It's my turn to share perspective. Marsha listens and understands in rounds four. Then Marsha makes sure she has heard Kevin, words and heart. Kevin confirms Marsha understands. Listen, everybody. Those four rounds are the art of communication. Not just to be heard, but to hear. And most people, the moment they're heard, they want to jump to stage two, compromise. It's almost like saying, okay, here's what's wrong. I've always wanted you to understand this. Now that you understand, you know that I'm right. Here's my solution. No, no. For you're heard, then you hear. And when both parties understand the other, you can go to compromise, stage two. There are four rounds that we've detailed for us to navigate in the whole compromise process. Marsha offers her solutions. Now that I understand her and she understands me, she, okay, what would you do with this? And I listen. Then I offer my solutions and she listens. Now only in round seven, look at this. We had to go through six rounds before we could ever get to a real solutions conversation. Most of us are trying to vomit and solve it in about 10 minutes to just get it off our chest. You Listen, you can't solve it until you hear each other. So now discuss options and agree on a compromise. And then round eight for us, we pray about it. In fact, we'll often pause and pray in the midst of this because tensions get high. Man's anger does not bring about the righteousness of God, James 1, 19, 20, and 21. So we'll, when we settle a compromise, we literally write it out. Many times early on, we wrote it out, signed it, and endeavored to honor it. 
held each other accountable. If we couldn't compromise by the end of round eight, we would go into counseling. That's stage three. Stage three counseling has four rounds. Now, we can get 80-90% of our conflict solved without going into round nine. But when we need to, if we can't come to compromise, we put a list of trusted friends together and we go seek their counsel and agree on what we share. Then we bring that back together and that advice we use to help come to a compromise. If that doesn't work, then we go meet with a pastor or marriage counselor and we get advice that way. And then we bring that insight and process the counseling and seek a compromise. Okay, all of this long, demanding, detailed, layered investment because we were tired of miserable, stuck, and unhappy. Aren't you? This is solvable. You can renovate a marriage. But all I did was give you information. So let's make it more helpful. Let's talk about transformation. How do you actually do this? And when we were kicking this around, uh, the whole team said, and Jason, I remember you saying, okay, let's, let's talk through some of this. Let's, let's make this helpful. Let's almost have you guys do a little bit of interview with us. How have we actually walked through this? So let's try, see if it's helpful. We, we want to be helpful to you. Let's see if we can be helpful. Hopefully it is, yeah. And, and you, you hear the list. It's like, well, that sounds simple. Like there's a nail, put a hammer. There you go. It's all fixed, right? Yeah. <clears throat> you hear that 12 list and you go, but how does that really play out? Like we can laugh about the fights now because we assume you've cleaned those things up over the years and it's a different world. I want to go back to before you fix this stuff. I want to hear more of how does this actually play out? And you guys have a fight that you talk about in the book, the calendar fight, I think. Oh, yeah. Marsha, why don't you sort of start us out Lay it, lay out, what was the calendar fight for you? Why do you always start with her? Okay, oh, Marsha, right. go ahead. Pass it's that. the rule. <clears throat> okay, um, let's see. We, it was when the kids were small, and so I had a couple, I don't know, we were talking about, we don't know if we had two or three at that point. Yeah, when you get old, everything fits in <laughs> like five it down. and ten That's year seasons. That's all I have to say. But anyway, so um, he would not show up at home, only like when he felt like it, like, he was supposed to be home around 5.30, but it might be 6.30. It might be 7. So I'm cooking. I make a meal, and we're just waiting for Dad. you got small kids who really need to eat and are getting antsy. And so it just never was a good thing. And so finally I was like, I, we need to schedule a fair fight for this. Yeah, and that only went on for years. So it wasn't long. <laughs> and it wasn't all the time, but no, it was, a, it really but it was a lot of the time. And yeah. So we schedule a fair fight, and I have, to, I have to listen to her, which I'm not ready to listen to her. You understand, the reason this stuff doesn't work is because you're emotionally engaged. When you hear someone else talk about it, it's like, well, how difficult is that? Well, first of all, because I know why I'm not there. I'm not golfing. I, I, I'm, I'm working. I'm, I am doing, taking care of the, but. Right, right. But my job is to hear. Right. And, and, and. <laughs> That comes to your question. Uh-huh. Here's, I had to listen until I could say, um, I get it. You prepare a meal. Part of your contribution, this shared family, kids are hungry. The meal's ready by 530. I said, that'd be great. And every time it's 30 minutes, an hour, you feel dismissed, disrespected, the meal isn't good anymore, 
It can't easily be reheated. The kids are frustrated. They haven't eaten. If you feed them, which you have at times, you're so you're angry by then. You're like, I thought we were trying to build family. Why would we bother having children if the point wasn't to build family? So I'm undoing the thing I'm saying I'm contributing to. And I'm leaving you to hold, carry all of that pressure. And I'm not doing my part. And so I think, um, I think I can own that piece. I think that's how you feel. Do you, do you see what's required of me? My, my job is not to tell her first how I feel. My job is to make sure I know how it impacts her. Now, let's just pause right here. What's often broke is that once you have been heard, you're emotionally done. When I say that to her, here's the danger. She says, yes, finally. We're done. Yep. What took you so long? <laughs> we're all done and we're not done. Listen, the other, here, listen, here's what breaks down. Not only do you assume that you can be emotionally done, you think I agree. Watch this. When I can say that to her, her internal conclusion is, well, that means you agree with me. No, no, it doesn't. That means I understand your side of the dilemma. Now it's my turn. So now we're in round three. Correct. So round three is when I say, uh, I pastor a church. I'm on people's calendars, not my own. This is pre-cell phone days. <laughs> uh, I, I don't have control over a lot of that. Uh, that, that if, if this doesn't work, our family goes down. This is how we eat. This is how we live. So it's awesome that, 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 that you want to make a meal like you should, but we don't have one unless. Well, what's your job in all that? What is she doing? Her job is to speak back. Do you want me, you want a moment to try that? Sure. Um, I don't know. I'm afraid. No. I've been so well trained over the years. I don't even know what to ask anymore. <laughs> It's just pretty much, can I ask that? I don't know <laughs> if you feel like it. <laughs> well, I mean, first of all, yeah, when just even that, it's like, oh, yeah, he does understand. Good. You know, things are good now, and especially me because I am more of a non-conflict person. I want it to be over. And then when he comes back with, well, but, you know, we, I have a career and all these things, and it starts to make me angry, like, no, we, you just told me what I wanted to hear almost, you know, and then to think that I have to just stay in it and rehash it and tell him how he feels. But the thing about it is you get angry when you have to do that step. But as, as you work through it, it, you kind of actually soften and you go, you're right. You know, you do have to make money for us to live Sometimes people don't fit in small little boxes. Sometimes emergencies come up and you have to attend to them. And I understand that. And then you almost come to the conclusion of maybe there isn't a solution, you know, and then you go to the next step. So we did. Yep. And here's, here's what's interesting. As I hear that, maybe you feel it. You feel like you're halfway there. Like as soon as you can actually go, she said back to me what I've been, the tension I've been feeling, and he said back to me the wrestle that's been inside of me over these weeks or months, it's like the disposition, it's like it flips. Yes. You know, there's like a, there's something it's a shifting shifts. point that shifts. Exactly. Yes. And now you're able to actually talk practical, because the danger is you stop halfway, you only understand half of it, <clears throat> and then you go, alright, let's jump to, let's, let's fix it. Alright, Kevin, just do better. Okay, you do better, and then you're back at it again, Versus at a heart level, 
I understand the pressure you're carrying and you understand the pressure I'm carrying. And now you get to solution zone. So at this point, you understand each other. Let's get into the practical of, so this feels like these things are incompatible. We understand each other. How do we compromise? So what would the next step look like? And it was, it was a long series. We didn't do it in one round. It wasn't like, oh, 10 minutes later, we're good. Well, what we settled on is we can't change the pressures of work, but I can train people how my life should work. Sounds silly, but you can. So I can retrain the expectations. And I can say, you know what? Part of what I do here is build a family, build a marriage, and that qualifies me to spiritually lead. You got to figure it out in your own career. So I'm going to show up work, at work earlier. And I started going to work at couple hours earlier than I usually would and get the little stuff done and get all the detailed stuff where people could interrupt it and then set appointments and then leave about 30 to 45 minutes open at the end of the day up until 530. So like from 445 till 530, I scheduled nothing so I could respond to things that came up during the day and then would try to be home by 530. And did, listen, and did that consistently as a rule so that when I didn't, which was occasionally, it was an exception. Listen, you never get the freedom of an exception until you've proven the trust of a rule. Mm-hmm. And we reset things, and that's how we've operated, and we still do. Like, there's been times, honestly, there's been times we're in a meeting at the end of the day, and you go, oh, and you get up, and mid-sentence, you're in your car, I'm like, Okay, he said it home, <laughs> yeah, and we're that's, done. that's the rule. You're back yeah. to it. I could be with you, or I could be married. I choose you being married. <laughs> that got weird on a couple levels. Let's go back to the notes. <laughs> compromise is comp- Amber, you and I talk about this. When you compromise, it feels like you're compromising like a core value of your soul level, when the reality is you have to start with compromising ego. Yeah, and I think that's the hardest. I'll speak for myself. That's the hardest part is is it feels like I'm being attacked at a, at a foundational core level when really I have to just bow to ego first. I have to compromise there. And then it feels like it flows and it works. But sometimes it doesn't work. And you guys had another story where you were trying to figure out second kid, third kid. We went through this for how long? Maybe a year and a half, two years. Well, Lincoln's younger than the other two. Uh, and you guys sat inside that for longer than us. And that's where you guys actually to take that to sort of step three, round, round three of all of these things into the counseling and bring friends in. So would you sort of take that story and unpack how do you invite other voices into your marriage when yeah. you guys are stuck? Yeah, the compromise, there, there are points where you can't, you don't know how to compromise. And that was one of them because honestly, uh, I wanted four kids till we had one, then I wanted three. And then we had two and I wanted two. <laughs> And sometimes just one. And so, and so what experience is a great teacher. And I didn't want a big family after a while. And, and they're expensive. I don't know if y'all know this, but like they're expensive. So pretty soon I realized I'm not, I'm, I'm working for, and so (laughs) there's no compromise because I can't solve this financially and internally. And we went through the rounds, and you felt like you pulled the God card on me. That that was effective. I prayed about it, um, and I felt like God was telling me to have another child. This would be child number three. And I I talked to the same God, and he did not say that. 
So for those of you who are Christians who think, pray about it, and it'll just all come together. It did not come together. That was three years of... For sure. God was not talking to her like he usually does. (laughs) Clearly, they were confused. So we had to go to friends, and we made a list. We have opinions about this. We feel really strongly about this. You got to settle it for yourself. I don't know if it's helpful to you. We have to agree on the friends we talk to. Uh, We do not talk with any friends about the intimacy of our marriage emotionally or in any other way without permission from the other, and we share the things that we have permission to share. This is my most intimate relationship on earth. It is not an open conversation with anyone else. This is trust, and if I'm going to take the privacy of that into any other relationship, I need her permission, and she does the same. Yep. So then we take it to friends, and she met yeah. with some of her. Didn't one time you had yeah, a... Yeah, it was interesting when we were discussing it. Um, I did take it to uh, a friend that I looked up to, and it happened to be Amber's mom um, back in the day. I don't know if she remembers, but um, and I remember her telling me. For some reason, I had in my head that I had to have all my children by the time I was 30. And so um, I was getting worried because I was getting very close to 30. And she, her advice to me was simply, why... Why do, you have to, why do you have to be done at 30? Why don't you give it some time to breathe? And that was really helpful for us. So what happens is when you talk to somebody else, you don't have the ability to see and hear everything. You need other voices. And sometimes our voices are not enough to help us hear or see. So we need another voice. Now, if I had known that her mom, June, was going to be that helpful, I would have paid her to finish it off and just say, <laughs> be done. Um, but I did, but I didn't know. And so, so we went to friends, friends who had the right motive. You talked about this last week, the right motive, the right wisdom. And even right. after talking with friends, your friends were helpful. My friends were less helpful because one of my friends said, you're probably going to have a third. And I said, well, you're not my friend. I'm not talking to you anymore. <laughs> so there are some friends who are not helpful at all. We still couldn't get through it. So then we went to a counselor and we paid a counselor more money than I make uh, an hour. And it's driving me nuts. And we're meeting with the counselor and he's helping us see things and annoying me. Um, I think it's the first time you ever heard me swear um, (laughs) publicly. Uh, Is that disappointing to you? I've only sworn once in my life and it was to the counselor and he deserved it. Um, (laughs) He said stuff he had no right to say. I will say that in the counseling part, we actually didn't even come to a conclusion then. It still took a while after that. But I did see something that I didn't see before, and that was the financial part of it, I was like, what's the big deal? We've got everything we need. It's just one more child, which was my own, like, wishful thinking and and not facing the reality of what financial pressure does to a marriage. I'm going to time out, and then I know we have to be done, but there are things that the other and your marriage relationship is battling. And if you don't get to a place where you're honest with each other, you won't buy into the solution. There was a weight in me that I was suffocating over my failure to provide and the pressure of adding more. I couldn't see a way out. We had to get deep enough and honest enough and needed a counselor to help us see what we couldn't see so the both of us could be on the same page. Now, obviously, you know, we had a third. She wanted all her kids by 30. She didn't have all her kids until they're in her 40s. 
Um, you know what? I think we need to be done. We need to be done with this. We need to move on. Does that make sense? Are you, are you understanding how, how if you would get inside of fair fight rules, if you would dive into this, then, then God's going to provide, if you will, this, this capacity to not just be heard, but to hear. So let me wrap it up. Let's go back to that Philippians scripture. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. In humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. How do you do that? How do you get beyond yourself? Well, verse 5 actually goes on and describes, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, humbled. Say that word, everybody. Did what? Humble. You have to get past yourself. See, in our fights, there's no way I was going to bow to Marsha. I had to, though, learn how to bow to Jesus. I had to get past myself, past my pride, past my stuff. And I found that if, as we both did, if we could bow to Jesus and humble ourselves, we could learn how to have a fair fight. Thank you again for spending time with us today. A special thanks to those of you who generously give through 12 Stone. It is because of you that this ministry is possible. And if you want to learn more about 12 Stone, make sure you follow us on social at 12 Stone Church and check out a location or a watch party near you. And if you enjoyed the podcast, you could subscribe, share it with your friends, hit the share button, or even take a screenshot and throw it in your social stories. And make sure to tag 12 Stone Church. Let it be a blessing to somebody else. Thank you again, and we'll catch you on the next one.